Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca podcast episode. And uh, I have Christine here with me. I've known Christine for a while. Christine, I was realizing as, as we were kind of chatting off air before we started, um, my voice is, is a little toned down today, and I think it matches this, the cloudy weather outside. I don't quite have the energy <laughs> level, that, I, so I'm going to have to pipe it up a little bit. Christine Tremolay is here with me. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for the Boca podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Well, we're going to dig into a topic that is, and I say this from time to time, but this is particularly interesting to me for multiple reasons. Maybe I'll expound on that here in a little bit, but marketing with Instagram to your local market. And um, actually, this is a perfect segue, really, because the first question that I normally ask is about brand position. Um, your your focus right now is not so much a photography business, but more business coaching, and that is geared toward professional photographers. By the way, I love the, the way that you sum it up, photographers, story strategists, and confidence catalysts. So I kind of gave away your answer to the first question <laughs> here, but uh, this all ties together. And, and we do normally talk about the idea of brand position at the very outset of a podcast interview. And this is why our topic for today matters to me so much is because one of the things I've emphasized is a brand position it's so important for particularly photographers who are working in a local market to, to be able to clearly define how they're different than photographers in their local market. And so I, I would ask, I know that you're functioning more on a, a national or international scale, but how do you set your consulting uh, business apart from other consulting businesses in our industry? I think what has always made me different is the fact that I came into this industry from a really tech savvy, I was working at a web agency and I was helping Fortune 500 companies figure out how to use the internet. And we're talking back in 2000 to 2007. Okay. So I've, I've always worked from that angle. And when I came to launching my photography business, I took everything that I already knew and I already had an established local community through social media. Twitter was really the only thing we had yet at that point, but I had a really good network. So through the years, those things have continued to just play together. Like my focus is not teaching photographers how to take a better photograph. There's, you can learn how to do that in so many other places. That's not my skill set, but my skill set is what are some ways that we can really grab attention with exactly who you are and because I came to photography already blogging, I started blogging in 2000. My geek claim to fame, for those that have never heard this before, is I named WordPress because the founder of WordPress lived in Houston and I knew him. So I came up with a name for him. But since I'd already come into this with blogging as a background, I was automatically already sharing my story and using my own story to connect with people. And that's a, it, even you know, 13 years later, I still see that being such a struggle for people because we don't know how to talk about ourselves. We're taught culturally that it's bad to brag about who, who you are. So it becomes this disconnect. Like how you're not supposed to brag about yourself as a person, but how do you talk up your business? Yeah, well, and I want to kind of cut in here because um, it, technically, theoretically, the the question about brand position is supposed to have a fifteen second answer, and <laughs> so that the backstory is is interesting. But the, the 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 phrase that stands out to me because I'm actually on the homepage of your site, and for anybody listening, and if you go to christinetremolay.com, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. It's spelled C H R I S T I N E and then T R E M O U L E T dot com. I'm I'm looking at that header that I mentioned earlier, photographer, story strategist, and confidence catalyst. 
story strategist could really brilliantly sum up your brand position. And it's not that there are no other businesses that are at least attempting some version of that. But I haven't right. seen any other consultants, particularly in the photography industry, that specifically use that phrase. And I mentioned this before, when we talk about the significance of brand position, first of all, yes, it is to distinguish how you are different than somebody else in the market. And that could be because you're offering a different service, A, and or it's you're communicating the service that you're offering in a different way, ideally in a way that resonates with your target client. And I, I love the simplicity and yet the, the power of this idea of a story strategist. It reminds me of building a story brand by Donald Miller, the significance of a story. And it's interesting, you can talk about your story, but would you say too that that, and, and kind of playing on the idea of Donald's book, that when you tell your story, ultimately the goal then would be to, to your potential client or to your client to make them the hero of their story, to talk about how your business actually benefits them for the sake of their life. Exactly. And helping others see how they can take their story and put it out there and connect with their clients so that they can bring more clients in. Yeah, there is some significance to that. You know, actually, there's been a theme in this regard, probably for a, a, the last, if I've had to venture, maybe six, seven, eight years or so. Photographers are keen on telling their story. Um, but I think the differentiating factor, at least based on what I understood from Donald's book, was as, as much as our story matters and, and ultimately being personable and being vulnerable, um, to, to borrow all these kind of cliche words that we hear these days in our industry, it's good for the sake of a potential client ultimately connecting with us on a more personal level because they're like, oh, that person likes these things and I like those things too. Or this person lives this particular lifestyle and that's very much me. I can relate to that. And so then they naturally have even more interest in you personally. But at the very outset, if we're going to effectively communicate how our business is different from anybody else and why that potential client should use us, one of the things that Donald talks about is the focus on making the the client the hero versus making our business the hero. And it, it seems like, and, and I'd be curious to get your, your take on this. It seems like photographers have skewed in the direction of, you know, talking about their favorite food or favorite coffee or how they enjoy watching Netflix at night. But the reality is none of that really makes the client's life better. So how do you balance talking about yourself with the I, what I think should be the ultimate goal, which is to communicate effectively and simply how you add value to the client's life. For me personally, my initial focus when I'm working with people, even on the photography side of things, is helping them overcome that vulnerability block. That, you know, as I said, like we're told we're not supposed to brag about ourselves. So like, so many people are just locked down in that point Okay, that becomes really hard to even celebrate their clients to effectively communicate all the other things. And then we start to get wrapped into, I'm the premier photographer in my market. I'm the best. I'm, you know, but we don't go beyond that to communicate. Why are you the best and best on whose standard? I mean, just saying that I'm the best photographer, the next, your next door neighbor can launch a business and say the exact same thing. So you have to dif differentiate yourself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, who cares if, if you're the best photographer, right? I mean, we all know these days you can take a, a beautiful picture with your phone. Um, right. You don't need a fancy set of gear. You don't need all this training. You don't need to wear, you know, a medal from all the contests, the photography contests that you've entered ultimately people don't really care about that. They do want a personal connection, but then simultaneously they want to know how, how you make their lives better. And um, exactly. so brand position and, and we, I harp on this and I will continue to in one form or another because it's just not discussed <laughs> enough in our industry. Brand position matters for the sake of ultimately communicating to our potential clients, how we're different and why that matters and the effort to help the client get what they want, which ultimately is tied to just how they feel. Um, which is really exactly. interesting conversation and a loaded multi-episode conversation <laughs> in and of itself. But I, I think it's I think it's a struggle for people because the how I'm going to make your life better. When I was photographing weddings full time, how I made somebody's life better was not that variable 
then the next wedding photographer, I'm going to be there. I'm going to photograph your wedding. You're going to leave with images. You will love these images for the rest of your life and your grandchildren will look at them. And, hmm. and even that experience. So it's almost like because the service that we offer has so many similarities from person to person. That's where I feel we have to flip back to what makes us unique. And what are those touch points that we can connect on almost as like a reinforcement layer? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting kind of argument to the idea. I guess my question though would be, do you, do you feel like photographers um, don't make enough of an effort to create a different brand, to come up with a variation on the service. I mean, there. And I, I shot weddings for ten plus years. When right. in the Chattanooga market, where, where I live and where I was working most of the time, it was it was a very traditional market when I started the business. And so there was there was not uh, there was a wonderful opportunity actually to to come out very distinctly as a. And it's so funny looking back at the words that I used, but ultimately the idea was we are a a contempor- contemporary style or modern style journalist journalistic wedding photography now these days that's the norm and it wouldn't be a great brand position but back then it was truly different because the average wedding photographer in the area was shooting the old school traditional many cases medium format color photographs and we we actually had the opportunity to offer something different so there's it, at that point it was a lot easier right now with such so many more photographers in the market and so many different styles you're right you make a great point actually which is it is harder to differentiate one service to the next but i also wonder if photographers aren't trying hard enough because you know i I, could, I agree i don't think they are i think people come into this and they um almost like copy and paste i would say they want a business in a box yeah. there or, or and it's so tempting to say so-and-so is successful. Therefore, if I do exactly what they're doing, I'll be successful too. But the part of the equation that's missing and why it fails for, for a lot of people is because the part of the equation that's missing is the individual. Like if I had moved in the Chattanooga market and attempted to copy everything that you guys were doing back then, I still would have never been you. So the experience of talking to me, getting to know me, the, what it's like to work with me would have still been completely different than what it's like to work with you. Yeah. And I guess that works. It works more effectively anyway, if most of your business is referral based, because then somebody can talk about their experience with you, the type of person you are, what the, um, well, what it was like to actually work with you. Let's say on the wedding day, if you're a wedding photographer at a portrait studio, whatever the case but if if the photography business is not built as much on referrals and that potential client, their initial impression is the website or it is just simply a blurb when they did a Google search, right. how then does that relationship um, or that not, well, I guess the relationship ultimately plays into it, but the, 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 the significance of personalization, how does that actually play a role at that point? Because they can't in five seconds know who you are. So what's going to draw them in first? To me... That's always been the amazing fact of blogging and now blogging plus social media. Okay. Because I was blogging all the time and blogging sometimes personal things. I still, when I started, I still had a personal blog. I I had a personal blog that I ran until about 2012. And then eventually Facebook killed it off just because I posted on Facebook instead of on my blog. But I would sit down to have a meeting with a client, a potential client. And um, as soon as I started talking, they would just say like, I feel like I already know you. I, I, you sound exactly like you write because I, I do, I write very similar to, to how I speak. Okay. And so they were like, Oh my goodness, I feel like I already know you. And I feel like this is where, because for a long time I've, I've taught a lot of things over the years on blogging and blogging more effectively. And I like, this is where we miss the mark. We, every blog post goes, this is my favorite session ever. I photographed it at this park. I just love and adore this family. Here's 20 photos. And then the next post is, this was my favorite wedding. I photographed it at these venues. These were the other vendors. Here's 50 photos. And I'm not giving people a chance to get to know me. And I mean, one of my theories is that a lot of photographers are introverts. So being able to 
like they don't think to infuse in there, you know, this is, I love this aspect of the wedding, or this is a photo that I took and this is why it means so much to me Hmm. because we can talk about why that image meant something to our client, but our next client that's looking at it, it might, that might not resonate with them at all. What they're wondering more is why did I take that frame? A lot of times I would talk about like, these are photos that mean something to me. I wrote a whole blog post for father's day one year on here's, it was like, fathers seeing their children at the wedding day. And that's like the parents seeing the child is I have goosebumps right now, even just saying it. That's one of my favorite parts of a wedding day. Yeah, That look on the parent that just comes over, whether it's mom or dad, father, you know, or daughter or son, like there's always this look that comes over the parent. And so I wrote a whole post, not about a specific wedding, but rather telling people I look for this moment on a wedding day. And that's something that we can all do. Like I look for this when I take photos because there's probably something that you're looking for. There's probably like an emotion that you're looking to draw out of people. And that's what your next client wants to know. What is it that you're going to do for me? Yeah. And and I guess the inroads, what you're suggesting is the inroads to that conversation is putting yourself out there in a way that resonates with a potential client. Right. And I have to say, I've I've never said this publicly because I know so many people love the story brand book. I actually bought the story brand course long before the book came out. Okay. And I, that was actually always my struggle point was, you know, a lot, you know, he might have an example of if you're a plumber, say this, that I'll do this and you know, I'll be the first one on the scene to fix your broken pipe. And, you know, this is what I'll do. And I'm like, it, I always felt like I'm a, at the time I was doing boudoir photography full time and just saying like, I'm a boudoir photographer and I'll do X for you was not different enough from the other person living down the street for me. Yeah, there's no question that it it can take some time breaking down. I'm actually reading a book right now called Positioning, and it's an Mm -hmm. older book, so it has some references that are (laughs) quite outdated. But the ideas, the principles behind it, um, I think still stand true, largely anyway. And and they're talking about how this is written by, I think it's two people, and I'll pull up the name here in just a second. But um, they're talking about how they were coming up for brand positions for these various companies. And it, it seems as though it is a, or we shouldn't expect anything other than the, the, the reality, which is it's going to be a process. It's not like, you know, oh, snap yes. a finger and you come up with a distinct brand position. It may take a little bit of work. So just saying I'm a boudoir photographer certainly isn't <laughs> going to distinguish you or even saying, you know, I'm a boudoir photographer that likes to focus on relationships, which I mean, frankly, that that's a line that I've heard multiple times from photographers now, not specifically about boudoir, but just that they focus on relationships. And so many people are obviously already doing that. So that's not a differentiator. You're gonna have to actually take some time. And this is why I like so much our what is ultimately our primary topic today, which is marketing with Instagram to your local market. You have to take the time to actually look at your local market, the photographers in the local market, and then figure out how you can set yourself apart from them in a way that resonates with a potential client. So by the way, the book is by Jack Trout and Al Rise, and it's called Positioning. We'll link to it in the show notes. But oh, that's so funny. I was wondering if it was Jack Trout because I thought it sounded similar to other things. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and the, the subtitle is The Battle for Your, I think it's The Battle for Your Mind, which is interesting though, because ultimately when somebody hears your brand name, what, what position in their mind does that occupy? Right. Um, and there's so many different examples that can be given with various companies that, that we're all familiar with. And here's my my own example. Sure. When I switched from weddings to boudoir, I realized really quickly my thing was photographing moms that these women would come in and they'd have body confidence issues. And again, I mentioned like vulnerability is a big thing for me. So helping them overcome that feeling of vulnerability and um, so I rebranded as Hot Mama Boudoir. And rather quickly, people would write to me and they'd say, oh, I'm not a mom, but I really love your style or I want to work with you. Can I work with you too? But it gave the moms this like safe space. Fast forward a few years, there were other women. I mean, that's a much more common thing now. There are lots of boudoir photographers that specialize in working with moms. Right. I had a client tell me that I was 
She said, the world needs more Avengers of sexiness. Thank you for being mine. Wow. And I cry. I'm like tearing up right now just thinking about that email from Stacy. And please tell me you used that as your tagline moving forward. I did. I, I cried. And about 15 minutes later, I went and registered the domain name. And the Avenger of Sexiness became my tagline because that was much more like this is what I stand for, that I wanted to help people feel that about themselves. And right. And, and when I say, by the way, when I say tagline, taglines can be interchangeable with a brand position. Avenger of sexiness would still need a bit of an explanation. Some people might be, okay, that's cool. That sounds really great. What does that mean? When I heard you talking about photographing moms who didn't feel good about themselves, to me, in that case, there's this prime opportunity, especially if nobody else is using this messaging to say, I am the photographer that helps you feel, uh, helps mothers feel confident in front of the camera. Boom, done. Okay. They, they see that and on the, the top of your website the moment they get there and they know immediately how you add value to their life. They also know simultaneously what service you offer, but they know how you're going to help them feel good. And right. there's, there's the opportunity. And like I said earlier, it may, it may be that you're offering a similar service to somebody else in town, but if you're the first one with that message and now people start to know that Christine is the photographer that helps moms feel more confident in front of the camera. Oh my goodness. I mean, think about, especially in our culture these days, it just seems rife with insecurity. You have that message out there. People are just going to come to you in droves. And, and they did. They did. That's it was, cool. And that's it. I'd like the confidence catalyst line that's on my website right now yeah. is the, the evolution of that, because that is still something that I bring when I work with somebody that it's not just let's talk straight business, but I want to, when I work with people, I want to help figure out what's going to make them be confident in the work that they're doing as well. Mm. Um, well, we just spent 20 minutes talking about brand <laughs> position and, and I am absolutely stoked about it because I, I feel like, first of all, you're a really great conversationalist. So the back and forth is really nice. And, and I think this has been really helpful for our listeners who you know hear me talk about brand position on an ongoing basis. It's, it tends to be kind of one-sided and I, I feel like I'm trying to find various ways to effectively communicate the idea to our listeners I, I love this back and forth, and I think it's been good because it's had examples of what might work, what might not work. Been very, very practical. We could we could almost just like stop recording right now. They'd have <laughs> they'd have a valuable episode on itself. And you know, there's one other lesson that I want to highlight in there. Sure, businesses evolve. True. Like maybe you don't feel like you have a brand position right now, or maybe your brand position is that you're doing fine art, portrait photography, but you don't, you're starting to feel like the, the crowd is growing in your market. Yep. You can keep evolving. Like you don't, you can keep evolving. hundred percent. I, I don't think anybody, that's not true. I know a lot of people that are still doing the same thing that they were doing 15 years ago when I first met them. So I shouldn't say people don't, but they've evolved personally, but maybe their brand, um, is perfect the way that it is. So they don't want to change it. For me, I needed that evolution. I needed that path. Like it keeps evolving and growing and changing. So no matter where you are, like if, if you don't want to evolve, cool. You know, if you've got it, you're happy right where you're at. Great. And for me, I just kept saying, okay, how do I stand out? How do I get in front of the exact right person that I want to bring in? And so that evolution had to keep happening. Yeah, but I'm so glad you highlight that because it's so, so true. It's not, first of all, we talk, you hear a lot in our industry, and we've certainly talked about it here on the podcast, the significance of finding your why. The why is kind of that overarching value set that drives what you do. The cool thing is you can you can shift and and flow with whatever might be going in your life or in the market and or, or or both to still fit within that value set that your you know right. your your big picture goals for your life and and of course that trickles to your business. But I, I love the fact that you highlight yes you can actually change that position. In fact, we're actually getting ready at Photographers Edit to change our brand position going into 2020 because what we've seen we've run on the brand position for the longest time custom editing for professional photographers or for wedding and portrait photographers. But we've seen other companies kind of follow suit and use similar messaging. And that's, that's I mean, ultimately, if they want to do that, okay. But I want to make sure that as an editing company, because there are a number of them in the industry, that we have a very clear and distinct 
brand position. And I do want to actually focus more on it. You know, we're talking, when we say custom editing, that's the service. And we're talking about ourselves and the service that we offer. And it clearly defines what we do. But I want to talk more about how we bring value to photographers. So I'm going to be doing some work as we go into 2020 to kind of redo our brand position. Not necessarily that we're changing the service, but the messaging in a way that number one, distinguishes us. And number two, focuses on adding more value to the potential client. And um, so to your point, I mean, we've been in business for 11 years and we've changed our position. This will be really the third primary time that we've changed our position. You have to do that. You have to flex and flow, but it doesn't change, you know, my, how this relates to my value set in the end, which has to do with time and relationships. Our service saves photographers time for the sake of giving them um, the opportunity to focus on relationships in their life. And I can change my brand position and it doesn't take away from that end goal or that end mission. And my why it's so funny. It was, I feel like once you really find what your why is, like what it truly, truly is, you will see that you'll see examples in your life from your childhood. It just goes, it can go really deep once you see what it is. So my why, my superpower is helping women grow their confidence and rediscover their beauty. That And that's, I can look back at things I did when I was 15 years old Yeah, that are examples of that. So now fast forward to today, and I, I actually have just recently been processing, like, do I put that back on my website? Because that is so foundational to me. And I was like, oh, but I help them rediscover their beauty. Does that make sense in the context of business? I feel like it still does. Like, because I want to help you find what makes you beautiful and outstanding to the world, no matter what you do. Yeah. Well, and I think there's an opportunity in that case, if, if that was your brand position and you had that at the top of your website, there would be an opportunity right underneath that to share, you know, say four ways very practically how your service helps them feel that way. Because it is a little bit arbitrary in the sense that people that, that's going to mean different things to different people. And then, like you said, they may ask, how does this relate to the business coaching that Christine offers? But then if that right underneath that, it very clearly shared on a practical level, here are the, say, three services or four services that I offer that enables you to feel that way. Oh, now it all comes together and it makes sense. But they, it right. captured them initially with that feeling, which I think is great. Which is why I've been thinking about bringing it back because yeah. one of the things that we're adding back into my website in 2020, I've been doing a lot of it in 2019. It's not on my website though, is that I've been doing a lot of brand photography specifically for speakers and coaches and then also for people local to me in the Houston market. So it definitely speaks to those. So it's this whole like, how do I explain my why and encapsulate it and that's actually an, a, such a good suggestion that you just made that I actually wrote it down. Like, here's my why. Here's the three services that I do that help you get there. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about. Um, because I found I'm still photographing women who tend to have body image insecurities. And that's that's still who I'm photographing. The only thing I've changed is what they're wearing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're more cl clothed and we're often in public now when I do their session. <laughs> Again, I, I can't thank you enough for this great conversation. And honestly, I think we're going to, I'm not going to end our conversation, but we're probably going to release this as its own episode as well, because this has been <laughs> one of the most, I think, valuable conversations certainly explanatory conversations around this idea of brand position that we've had to date. So thank you for that. And for everybody listening in, you're welcome. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I hope this is this is helpful to you. Do take some time. And if, if you're listening to this and you're still unsure about the idea of brand position, take some time to go back and listen through some of the points made. You can check out that book, Positioning, that I mentioned earlier, though. I will, again, add the, add the caveat. The references are, are kind of almost humorous <laughs> at this point because I think the book was written originally in maybe in the 80s. Um, so is it one of those books where you're like, that company's not even around anymore and things well, like yeah, that? Yeah, there's reference to you know radio ads and, and this kind of thing. But nonetheless, there are principles in there that I think will be helpful. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well so that everybody has access uh, to that. Make sure that you take a look at that. And uh, we have some other episodes around brand positioning um, that you can also find if you go to bocapodcast.com. And uh, maybe we'll link to a couple of those in the show notes as well. 
So um, that being said, since, since we're about 30 minutes in and, and I want to respect your time, Christine, and everybody listening in, let's actually just jump. I, I normally go through a series of, of questions regularly with our podcast guests, but we also have a big topic to get into today. So we're going to jump straight to that. Uh, and as I mentioned at the very beginning of the conversation, it has to do with marketing with Instagram. And we could stop there. And of course, that's a massive topic, but I love <laughs> the specificity of marketing with Instagram to your local market. And so to that point, when we were actually the conversation leading up to our interview today, uh, you said that you wanted to talk about, quote, the power of using Instagram with a local, not global focus. And the, state, the statement that naturally suggests that many photographers are not using Instagram in this, with this local focus. So can you describe what that looks like? Like as we're going through most photographers' feeds, and of course we're not calling anybody out, but just in general, as you go through photographers' feeds, how do you see that they're marketing on a more global level, even if they don't realize it, rather than the local level? So the first thing that comes up is the very frequent conversation of how people believe that they need 10,000 followers to be successful. Hmm. And at 10,000 followers is a, a, an important number on Instagram. It means that then you get the swipe up on the stories. So right. when you post a story, somebody can swipe and they can follow a link. But if you're almost every photographer has a predominantly local business. So even if you do some destination work, still your bread and butter is normally your local business. And um, did you used to do a lot of destination weddings? I didn't do very many. Most of the work was here local in Chattanooga. Okay. So I had a couple of years where I did because I'm in Houston. It's an easy place to fly to other places. Okay. And I had clients. I had local clients, Houston clients, but they flew me to their destination with their wedding. But that that was like six weddings a year. That wasn't, I still had 20 others that were local to me. I didn't need to connect with 10,000 people. Like you're not a commodity. I can't fold you up and put you in a box and ship you to eight different houses at the same time. <laughs> yep. You are not a commodity. You are a service. There's maybe there's a team, you know, somebody listening might have a studio where maybe you have multiple associates, maybe you're set up, but you're, you're still physically limited on how many people you can serve in one day. Cause there's only so many hours in the day. So this, this count, everybody gets very fixated on it, thinking that that's what's going to finally make their business successful. And I argue, no, you need to figure out how many clients do you want in a year? And you probably, so if you need 25 couples in a year for a wedding photographer, if you need 100 clients in a year as a portrait photographer, you need to be in front of maybe 500 people, right. not 10,000. Right. And you need to be in like 10,000 is fantastic when you're a global influencer and you're like you're Coca-Cola and you're, you want to get in front of the whole world. But when you start to hit these higher numbers, when you're going for just like, I want everybody following me, you're no longer going after the people that might actually buy. Hmm. And that's a great point because especially if <laughs> photographers are using hashtags that everybody in the world is searching, <laughs> then then what are the likely? And I know that that some photographers will post and kind of narrow that down, and also hashtag their local market or use a location, post with a location, and that narrows things down. But yeah. there there you do see those behaviors. First of all, as you pointed out, that there are there's a desire, there's an effort at getting a massive number of follows, many if not most of which are not local to their market. So that's certainly one issue. And would you say along with that are certain post behaviors, if you will, or behaviors when they're posting that go along with, again, it may not be a conscious effort, but a subconscious effort, we'll call it, to market to a larger scale market? Yes. And I can't blame people for that because the majority of courses out there, the majority of website advice out there, if you go read blogs about how to effectively use Instagram for your business, everything is geared to those global commodity businesses. Hmm. Right? That is what so much is geared towards. Okay, It's not geared. And that's where I started when I started looking around. I was like, it, it was a culmination of thinking about how did I grow my own business? Because that's always a question I get. I was fully booked my first year in business. I was charging three to four thousand dollars and had a 
full plate of weddings from year one and every year that I did photography full time, I was fully booked. So people always ask, you know, how'd you do it? So I, over time, I used to always just say it was blogging, but the more I looked at it, I realized, well, no, Twitter and social networking and my local network played a huge role in it too. And Twitter is a cesspool of insanity. Instagram didn't exist back then. Twitter back then is much more like Instagram is today. Twitter back then used to be a nice place to be. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's very different now than it was in sure. 2007 to 2010. Um, so now Instagram is just this prime opportunity though, to use it in much the same way. I was looking for courses that I could refer people to. And I realized that there were little things here and there but every course I could find was really geared towards getting this huge global following, which just led to me being very frustrated because I'm like, no, that's not what people need. You need this local network. You need local connections. You need those people to know about you. And, and we've, I think, at least alluded to this in one form or another so far, but just for the sake of specificity, what are the actual detriments to a global approach? Because some photographers might say, well, I've, I've got a massive following and it's, and it's worked out really well. I'm still booking all these clients. I, I talked to a couple of local photographers in the last year or so who um, were, were booking almost exclusively, if not exclusively, all of their clients through their Instagram accounts. What are the actual detriments, though, to a photographer who's wanting to build their business if they take that, lo- that, that global approach? Much like you, I have found people that, well, I found people that are booking everything through Instagram, but when I went and looked at their accounts, they were still, they had a large local following. So okay. that's why they were booking so much through Instagram. Got it. Uh, they may not have been able to articulate that they were using Instagram with a local focus, but they, but were just because they instinctively knew that's what they needed to do. I've also met photographers that have 80,000, 100,000 followers that don't have a full calendar, right? that are struggling to fill their calendar. right? So they post amazing photos and they get 2000 likes on the photo. But so that's the biggest thing, like the measurement that we need to be looking at is not the measurement of how many followers we have or how many likes are we getting. Exactly. It, it's how many inquiries are we getting and how many are converting. Yep. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I had somebody tell me many years ago, they said, I get 200 inquiries a day. And first of all, like my eyes bugged out of my head because the idea of responding to 200 inquiries a day was just too much for me to even think about. But they wouldn't answer me they were somebody that was offering a, a, a course for sale on the time it was on SEO and they wouldn't answer me. I kept asking, Oh, cool. How many convert into booking? Hmm. And they were like, I get 200 inquiries a day. And I'm like, if no one books, I don't care. Hmm. I, so it's the same thing. If you have 10,000 or 50,000 followers, but nobody's booking, it's not, it's not helping you. And that's where I think so many people get frustrated. They're like, I built up my Instagram. I've got 2000 followers. It's growing. I 200 people like my post, but it's still not working for me. I'm still not booking anyone. What's going on? Or yeah, I book a few people a year. Well, I, I think one of the other conversations that might come up too is about, you know, a lot of photographers though they may normally photograph in their local market they still have an interest in being able to go do a, a destina- destination wedding or two. And so they Absolutely. might say, hey, well, but I, I want to get those destination weddings. I, I still want to be able to work with this coordinator. I want to get my work published in this particular blog. And so I'm tagging them and I'm doing this thing and that. And, and that's great. And I understand the thought process. But what we're talking about here, again, is specificity, the significance of specificity, especially for photographers who don't have an established brand. They want to build a brand or they need to grow their brand. They need to get the numbers back up. Uh, and in that case, specificity can play a massive role in improving the success of your business. And you mentioned a a really good thing that I I think a lot of people don't realize. Instagram pays attention to every action that you do on the platform. That's what the algorithm is. They're paying attention to what you like, what you comment on, what you follow, what, who comments on your stuff, who comments on likes your stuff, et cetera. Instagram's also, I mean, there's like, Computers are smart. They can see what's in the photo that you post. 
So if you start tagging people that have nothing to do with that photo, or if you're using hashtags that don't have anything to do with the photo, they're going to bury it because they know if I posted a picture of a beach and put a bunch of boudoir hashtags on it, but there was no human in the picture, which I might have to do because Instagram shuts down certain images because they feel that they're too much flesh, but um, like they would just, they would know. So you, you need to be mindful of what hashtags you're putting on an image. You might be trying to get attention of that venue or that wedding blog or whoever, but if it doesn't line up with the image, Instagram's not going to reward you for that behavior. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting kind of practical piece of knowledge. To that point, let's actually just jump straight into the practical, the the actionable kind of takeaways in this conversation. And I know it's a much bigger conversation. And I'll go ahead and and let everybody know, Christine actually has a, a course. And the purpose of this interview was not to promote her course. But I do want to let everybody know that because this is a bigger conversation with more details. If you do go to christinetremolay.com, you'll see a link to InstaLocal, which is a, is a course that, that Christine teaches around this topic. But Christine, I, I want to give our listeners actionable takeaways. What what are some things that they can do? Let's, let's just focus on a few ideas that they should keep in mind um, or things that they should do in order to kind of shift to a more local approach. Because I, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of photographers that could be missing out on what could be a really lucrative business if they just focused or narrowed their focus and focused in their local market? So one thing I see that's really common with photographers, Instagram accounts is who they're following and who they're engaging with. Okay. And I, Instagram is super inspiring. I get it. Like I, I follow, I mean, I follow a lot of photographers, but as you said, I teach photographers. So it makes sense for me to follow a lot of photographers, but for a photographer who wants to market in Houston, where I'm located. If all they're following is other photographers, again, that goes back to like, what are you telling Instagram? You're telling Instagram, I'm interested in other photographers and other photographers are interested in me. So don't really bother showing my stuff to my future potential clients. Like the photographers are not your potential clients, but most people that's what they follow, what they engage with on their Instagram account. Hmm. You need to shift that. Start looking for people that are local to you, that that's who you need to be following. Like if you know, I do family photos and my ideal client is a mom that um, I live in the Heights. It's a neighborhood in Houston. So my ideal client, they live in the Heights. Mom is the one that's on Instagram. She's who's going to see me. Those are the people that I need to be following. Those are the people that I need to be connecting with. And everybody's always like, well, isn't that creepy if I just suddenly start following (laughs) a mom? Yeah. No. Yes, it is. Don't just like randomly start following all the moms in your neighborhoods. That probably would come across as a little bit weird. But point two is start connecting with other businesses hopefully businesses that are adjacent to your business Hmm. and connect with the people commenting on their posts. Yeah. Not in a gross way. I am not in this. I'm not suggesting you just go randomly start messaging people and stuff like that. But I, I view it like the Hollywood squares. So do you remember the TV show, The Hollywood Squares? I know I'm dating myself here. Well, and, and I, I have a, my out is I grew up in Japan, so I didn't watch a lot okay, of so, old so American TV. Okay, so your out is Japan. <laughs> but basically what it was, was there were nine celebrities. So there's, you're the celebrity in the middle of the grid. Yeah. It's like a t- tic-tac-toe grid. Right. You're the celebrity. It's like a hash mark, actually. Um, <laughs> you're the celebrity in the middle of the grid. Who are the eight people that you want to surround yourself with? Hmm. What are eight businesses that are tangent to yours? I like that. One or two, one or two of those might be photographers. One or two. So I have a, a really good friend here in Houston that if somebody makes an inquiry to me, I'm not really photographing weddings these days because of some health issues. So I refer everything to her. So she might be somebody that I still celebrate on my Instagram account. I might go to her post and engage, like write engaging comments on her post. But then also maybe if somebody commented, I love this post, I'd be like, I love it too. 
Now, this works a little bit better if they're not your peers, if they're other businesses in the market. So I might pick a local restaurant that I know that my ideal client's probably going to go to for date night. And I might start talking with them on Instagram. I might publicly start going there. Um, We all have cameras (laughs) and we all have those magical phone devices that take really good photos. So when I go someplace that I think my ideal client might go, I might take a picture of myself there. That might be my Instagram story for the day. Here I am at this restaurant. This is what I ate. This is what I loved. One of the things that I found over the past 15 years is when I celebrate another business owner, they they feel really good and they get excited and they share it. And they remember me. Oh, that's Christine. She's she likes us. Oh, now they know somebody that needs a photographer. They're going to refer me. Right. Well, even in that case, I'm thinking about like if, if you go, if, if you went to a restaurant, a local restaurant that that is or that, that does have some of your potential clients also visiting mm-hmm. and you post a picture. I mean, you, to your earlier point, these iPhones, I mean, I have the iPhone 11 Pro that the images that this crazy thing can take is amazing. So if I were to post a beautiful image of a of a meal that came out to me and I put, push that out on Instagram and they repost it. And then people are commenting on that. Now, now they know that potential client knows about you indirectly as, as a result of something that you did that was valuable for that brand as well. So it's kind of a win-win. It is. It's totally a win-win. And then a few months later, they're searching for a photographer. They come across your name and they might not remember where they know the name from, but it's going to sound familiar. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like creating these little touch points out in the world. Okay. So wait, we're starting with, and I, I like this change who you're following and engaging with and more specifically engaging with, I think in particular, but, um, yes. it, it, cause it is easy. You kind of alluded to this. It's, it, it's easy to engage with the photographers who, I mean, photographers tend to, to put more emphasis sadly on what photographers think of them than what their potential <laughs> clients think of them. And so the focus is there and it's nice to get an ego boost from a photographer telling you how great you are, what you know, how beautiful that picture is, but focus on following those who you ultimately want to connect with, um, in that local market. That's the first thing. Number two, start connecting with other businesses that are, as you said, business adjacent. Uh, I like that idea and, and focus on adding some value to those businesses publicly in a way that ultimately could, could get shared. And as a result, give you an opportunity to connect with a potential client. Do you have a, a third idea that we can talk about? Make, make a short list that you can really, really focus on them regularly. Yeah. You said eight like, businesses earlier. I like that. Right. It's just eight. I'm not talking about you have to spend all day on Instagram. Yeah. Well, and to your earlier point, I mean, it's not about massive numbers. If you focus on eight businesses, you got to think about the number of people associated with eight businesses or that know about the business or follow that business online. So the reach is actually way, way greater than just eight accounts, let's say. Right, right. And last but not least, you touched on it and I have to go back to it. Yeah. Use hashtags. So often I see people and wedding photographers, I'm not picking on you. It's just always my first example that comes to mind. But they'll post a picture and it'll be underneath. It'll be hashtag wedding, hashtag wedding photographer. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag I love love whatever. Yeah. Speaking um, of a global focus that, that you just, you just use three really general hashtags. That's not helping right. you. Right. And hashtag wedding has something like 20 million uses. Oh, easily. But yeah. More importantly, I found a website and I will look for that website name late. I found it a few weeks ago and I haven't looked at it again. So the name isn't coming to mind, but I will find it for you so we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. But I put in hashtag wedding and basically it told me that that hashtag is used like a thousand times a minute. Wow. Your post is never going to be seen. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's already not seen as it is, but then yeah, it's using already a ha- not seen as it is. But, <laughs> yeah. Using a know, hashtag that 20 million other people are using. Um, 20 million people are using it. Lost cause to begin with. But if I use a hashtag, this goes into what I was saying before about everybody's teaching like these global tactics, Right. I'm a local business. I want to get in front of local humans, business owners and customers alike. 
I need to find the local hashtags. So a lot of people tell you, you know, use these hashtags with up to 100,000 uses. And I want to encourage people, look at the hashtags that only have five and 10,000 uses. Don't use, like, you need to use a mix of these hashtags, some that have been used more and are used more frequently, but also uh, it's, it's very similar to SEO, where you might use a hashtag for a specific location. Uh, and it maybe only has 5,000 uses. But that also means two months from now, somebody might come back and actually see your post. Hmm. You know, you're right. You might not be seen right away that day. That that hashtag might not help you suddenly get 80 likes on your post. Right. But you might be found by the person that's looking to buy. And I don't care if I get 80 likes on a post. I care about the person that's looking to buy because my business depends on money. Does your business depend on money? hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Your mountain is the, the brand positioning and my mountain is we need to talk about money because that's like the hill I'm standing on. We don't talk about that. Like, we actually talk about a lot of things in the terms of I booked X number of clients and we don't talk about numbers number number yeah how much you actually made at the end of the day yeah right again that's a whole societal norm we're told not to talk about those things that's gross but we're business owners and that's actually the foundation of our business so yes i get it you don't get that immediate dopamine hit of but i got 500 likes on my photo right but you get the client Hmm. so instagram gives you 30 hashtags you really should use as many of those 30 as you can, you go ahead and use them. And, and But be specific, right? Be specific but, to the locale. But, you know, if you're going to use a few of the, if you really feel the need to put hashtag wedding on it, cool. Great. But also use 20 others that are used 50,000 times or less. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is the part where, I feel like sometimes for, for some of our personality types, like we became photographers because we wanted to take great photos. We didn't become photographers like because we wanted to learn to market ourselves or do hashtag research. I know it doesn't sound fun, but it's going to really help your business. And you, you do it once or you do it once a quarter, once every six months, and then you can keep using it. It doesn't have to, like it can take an hour or two out of your day. Do you have and, a particular tool that you recommend for searching out hashtags? So I personally currently, and that's actually how I found that tool that I mentioned that I'm going to get you the link for. Currently, I normally just do it within Instagram because okay. Instagram will, they'll show you how many times the hashtag has been used, yeah. but also it's really convenient. They'll suggest hashtags. So if you open Instagram and you do a search for a hashtag, hashtag weddings, it will then suggest across the top of the screen some other hashtags you might want to consider. And I always want to take the information that Instagram is giving me first. Instagram gives us a lot of signals of how they want us to use it. And that's one of them. Like, hey, here's some other hashtags you might like. I know how you behave on this platform. Sometimes that will also tell you how you've been behaving on the platform because I was searching for Houston related hashtag or yeah, I was searching for something broad and it was like showing me, did I want to see stuff in California, which made sense. I was sitting in California at the time. So Instagram knew it was like, why are you looking for Houston things? <laughs> you're here in California. Wow. Let me give you some California suggestions. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. The search process is very easy. I mean, I'm, I pulled up Instagram as you're talking and, and I searched wedding. First of all, to our earlier conversation, hashtag wedding, 169 million posts, hashtag wedding photography, 27.2 million posts. But then if I search Chattanooga, uh, let me just do Chattanooga wedding. Let's see, wedding, see if I can actually spell here. And I get 27,000 posts. If I see so much easier to be seen. Right. Chattanooga and uh, Chattanooga weddings, plural, has less than 6,000 posts, it looks like. So yeah, point taken. That's great. And, and you know, and I get it. You're in Chattanooga and Asheville, North Carolina is really close to you and might want to go shoot weddings at the Biltmore. Yes, I get wanting to be seen, but 
don't post a photo from a Chattanooga wedding in a Chattanooga wedding venue and then put hashtag Biltmore wedding on it because Instagram does not like that. It will not reward that behavior. That's a perfect example of what I was saying before. Because it contradicts itself, right? Right. They're like, what do you like? You tag this location as being in Chattanooga. Why'd you put Biltmore wedding? Hmm. Biltmore's, you know, a couple of hours away. Interesting. Well, I, I I love the practicality of this, Christine, and and I mean I, I'm taking I was taking notes here as you were talking again, just to rehash for everybody listening in. First of all, focus on well, spend time changing who you are following and engaging with, or maybe you want you follow whoever you want to, but focus on engaging with people that are relevant to your business goals. And I would still encourage actually like don't spend a lot of time unfollowing people. Okay, okay. But one of the things I've suggested to people is have one account. That's your personal, I'm a person and I want to be inspired by other photographers account and have a completely separate account for your business so that your business follows what your business needs to be seen and seen. It's a little hard to do and some people don't want to do it and that's fine, but it's something to consider. So then from that point, focus on connecting with other businesses that are, as you said, business adjacent. Um, and, and I love the idea of the specificity, again, of focusing on eight businesses and developing relationships with them, engaging with them, not only online, but offline as well. Kind of mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier, so it doesn't seem so creepy um, <laughs> or, or too obvious too. You know, like I, 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 I guess I'm a little bit cynical um, as a business owner and as an individual, but you know when somebody's trying to to like get your business don't like actually make an effort to develop a relationship with them and again that's going to involve offline engagement not just the online engagement but yeah, that's good be a and, human yeah yeah that's a great way to sum it up and then the third thing was using hashtags and more specifically um, hashtags that are less used or less popular and more focused on your locale these are great three practical things that we can all do immediately and for those of you listening in if you take these steps, uh, you're likely going to see and an probably an almost immediate change in the results that you're getting, especially in the, the number of inquiries and potential bookings. And I think it's really great practical advice. But again, to, to, our, to, to my earlier point, this is a massive conversation <laughs> and we didn't get into a lot of the, the technical elements of it. So Christine, will you just briefly share what that, that InstaLocal course is about and kind of a little bit more of what you go into with that course? So my goal is to help people build an 18-minute-a-day strategy that they can use to connect with more people, start more conversations, and get more clients. Like, how do you take it so that, you know, how do you get these conversations going without feeling gross? I want to support people because sometimes what happens is you start doing these things. You might see a drop in your likes, and that causes a feeling of panic. You know, it your instinct is like, well, wait, I was getting more likes before. So I want to go back to what I was doing. So I know people need support through this process and also support researching, you know, we're going to go into deeper researching the hashtags, who are the businesses you should connect with, you know, who are those Hollywood squares? Um, Although now I like the whole image of it's just who are your, it's like you live in a hashtag. (laughs) Who are they? And then how at the very end, like laying out what exactly is your daily strategy that you're going to do so that you can get on Instagram, do it and get back off and do the other work that you need to be doing. It doesn't have to be insurmountable. Well, and, and for everybody curious, if you go to christinetremolay.com, we'll link uh, what you will see InstaLocal there is, is one of the navigation links. We'll also link to this in the show notes uh, if and, you're curious and want some more information. And to make it very handy for people. Sure. Um, because nobody can spell my name, uh, go instalocal.com. We'll take them straight to the page for oh, cool. information on it. That's awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. This has been just wonderfully practical, Christine, and, and I really appreciate that. It, you and I were talking actually before we started recording, and, and I emphasized um, even just between the two of us how much importance <laughs> I place on giving our listeners practical information. That's really important to me, and this has been wonderfully practical and helpful uh, and, and really a good exercise for me too. So I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate <laughs> you making time for the Boca podcast. And again, for everybody listening in, if you go to Christine Tremulet and it is spelled T-R-E-M-O-U-L-E-T.com, we'll link to that in the show notes. The same thing on Instagram, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And then instalocal.com, also we will link that. 
then you can learn more about what Christine is doing and um, more about Instagram marketing to your local market. Thank you so much, Christine, for making time for us. Thank you again for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.